Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the July 17th episode of the podcast, Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll be looking at numbers 1554 through 1571 of the Catechism. Three, the, de- the three degrees of the Sacrament of Holy Orders. 1554, the divinely instituted ecclesiastical ministry is exercised in different degrees by those who, even from ancient times, have been called bishops, priests and deacons. Catholic doctrine expressed in the liturgy, the magisterium and the constant practice of the Church recognises that there are two degrees of ministerial participation in the priesthood of Christ, the episcopacy and the presbyterate. The diaconate is intended to help and serve them. For this reason, the term sacerdos, in current usage, denotes bishops and priests, but not deacons. Yet Catholic doctrine teaches that the degrees of priestly participation, episcopate and presbyterate, and the degree of service, diaconate, are all three conferred by a sacrament called ordination, that is, by the sacrament of holy orders. Let everyone revere the deacons as Jesus Christ, the bishop as the image of the Father, and the presbyters as the Senate of God, and the assembly of the apostles, for without them one cannot speak of the Church. Episcopal Ordination, Fullness of the Sacrament of Holy Orders, 1555. Amongst those various offices, which have been exercised in the Church from the earliest times, the chief place, according to the witness of tradition, is held by the function of those who, through their appointment to the dignity and responsibility of bishop, and in virtue consequently of the unbroken succession going back to the beginning, are regarded as transmitters of the apostolic line. 1556. To fulfil their exalted mission, the apostles were endowed by Christ with a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, coming upon them, and by the imposition of hands, they passed on to their auxiliaries the gift of the Spirit, which is transmitted down to our day through episcopal consecration. 1557. The Second Vatican Council teaches that the fullness of the Sacrament of Holy Orders is conferred by episcopal consecration, that fullness, namely, which, both in the liturgical tradition of the Church and the language of the Fathers of the Church, is called the High Priesthood, the Acme, Summa, of the Sacred Ministry. 1558. Episcopal consecration confers, together with the office of sanctifying, also the offices of teaching and ruling. In fact, by the imposition of hands and through the words of the consecration, the grace of the Holy Spirit is given and a sacred character is impressed in such wise that bishops, in an eminent and visible manner, take the place of Christ himself, teacher, shepherd and priest, and as his representative in Eus persona agent. By virtue of the Holy Spirit, who has been given to them, bishops have been constituted true and authentic teachers of the faith and have been made pontiffs and pastors. 1559. One is constituted a member of the Episcopal body in virtue of the sacrament, sacramental consecration and by the hierarchical communion with the head and the members of the college. The character and collegial nature of the Episcopal office are evidenced, among other ways, by which the Church's ancient practice, 
which calls several bishops to calls for several bishops to participate in the consecration of a new bishop. In our day, the lawful ordination of a bishop requires a special intervention of the Bishop of Rome, because he is the supreme visible bond of the communion of a particular church and in the one church and the guarantor of their freedom. 1560. As Christ's vicar, each bishop has the pastoral care of the particular church entrusted to him, but at the same time he bears collegially with all his brothers in the episcopate the solicitude for all the churches. Though each bishop is the lawful pastor only of the portion of the flock entrusted to his care as a legitimate successor of the apostle, he is, by divine institution and precept, responsible with the other bishops for the apostolic mission of the church. 1561. The above consideration explains why the Eucharist celebrated by the bishop has a quite special significance as an expression of the church gathered around the altar with the one who represents Christ, the Good Shepherd, and head of his church presiding. The ordination of priests, co-workers with the bishops. 1562. Christ, whom the Father hallowed and sent out into the world, has, through his apostles, made their successors, the bishops, namely, sharers in his consecration and mission, and these in their turn duly entrusted in various degrees by various members of the church with the offices of their ministry. The function of the bishop's ministry was handed over in a subordinate degree to priests so that they might be appointed in the order of the priesthood and be co-workers with the Episcopal order for the proper fulfilment of the apostolic mission that had been entrusted to it by the church. 1563. Because it is joined with the Episcopal order of the priests, of the office of priests, shares in it in the authority by which Christ himself builds up and sanctifies and rules his body. Hence the priesthood of priests, while presupposing the sacraments of initiation, is nevertheless conferred by its own particular sacrament. Through that sacrament, priests, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, are signed with a special character and are so configured to Christ, the priest, in such a way that they are able to act in the person of Christ the head. 1564. Whilst not having the supreme degree of the pontifical office and notwithstanding the fact that they depend on the bishop in the exercise of their own proper power, the priests are, for all that, associated with them by reason of their sacerdotal dignity and in virtue of the sacrament of holy orders, after the image of Christ to the supreme and eternal priest. They are consecrated in order to preach the gospel and shepherd the faithful as well as to celebrate divine worship as true priests of the New Testament. 1565. Through the sacrament of holy orders, priests share in the universal dimensions of the mission that Christ entrusted to the apostles. The spiritual gift they have received in ordination prepares them not for a limited and restricted mission, but for the fullest, in fact the universal mission for, of salvation to the ends of the earth, prepared in spirit to preach the gospel everywhere. 1566. It is in the Eucharistic cult, or in the Eucharistic assembly, of the faithful, Synaxis, that they exercise in a supreme degree their sacred office. There, acting in the person of Christ, and proclaiming his mystery, 
They unite the votive offerings of the faithful to the sacrifice of Christ their head. And in the sacrifice of the Mass, they make present again and again until the coming of the Lord the unique sacrifice of the New Testament, namely of Christ offering himself once for all a spotless victim to the Father. From this unique sacrifice, their whole priestly ministry draws its strength. 1567. The priests, prudent cooperators of the Episcopal College and its support and instrument, called to the service of the people of God, constitute together with their bishop a unique sacerdotal office, Presbyterium. Dedicated, it is true to a variety of distinct duties. In each local assembly of the faithful, they represent in a certain sense the bishop with whom they are associated in all trust and generosity, in part to take upon themselves his duties and solicitude, and in their daily toils discharge them. Priests can exercise their ministry only in dependence on the bishop and in communion with him. The promise of obedience that they make to their bishop at the moment of ordination and the kiss of peace from him at the end of their ordination, liturgy, means that the bishop considers them his co-workers, his sons, his brothers and his friends, and they in return owe him love and obedience. 1568. All priests who are constituted in the order of the priesthood by the sacrament of order are bound together by an intimate sacramental brotherhood, but in a special way they form one priestly body in the diocese to which they are attached under their own bishop. The unity of the Presbyterium finds liturgical expression in the custom of their presbyters imposing hands after the bishop during the rite of ordination. The ordination of deacons in order to serve. At the lower level of the hierarchy are to be found deacons who receive an imposition of hands, but not unto the priesthood, but unto ministry. At any ordination to the diaconate, only the bishop lay, lays hands on the candidate, thus signifying the deacon's special attachment to the bishop in the tasks of his diaconia. 1570. Deacons share in Christ's mission and grace in a special way. The sacrament of holy orders makes them, marks them with an imprint, character, which cannot be removed, and which configures them to Christ, who made himself the deacon or servant of all. Among other tasks, it is the task of deacons to assist the bishop and priests in the celebration of divine mysteries above all the Eucharist, in the distribution of Holy Communion and assisting at and blessing marriages, in the proclamation of the gospel and preaching, in presiding over funerals and in dedicating themselves to the various ministries of charity. Since the Second Vatican Council, the Latin Church has restored the diaconate as a proper and permanent rank of the hierarchy, while the churches of the East have all, had always maintained it. The permanent diaconate, which can be confirmed on married men, constitutes an important enrichment for the Church's mission. Indeed, it is appropriate and useful that men who carry out a truly diaconal ministry in the Church, whether in its liturgical and pastoral life, or whether in its social and charitable works, should be strengthened by the imposition of hands which has come down from the Apostles. This would be more closely bound to the altar and the ministry would make more fruitful through the sacramental grace of the diaconate. Okay, so we continue today looking at the three, uh, the three uh, parts of the sacrament of order, the three, the three degrees of the sacrament of holy orders. And um, again, the, the, the episcopacy is the fullness. The bishop is the fullness. The bishop has the fullness of the ministry. 
In a sense, the church can't survive without bishops because the priests and the deacons are dependent on them. You can't have a priest without a bishop. And even even if every priest needs somebody to work under, that you can't have a priest operating by himself. You know, sometimes priests uh, get angry with their bishops and they leave everything and they leave, basically they leave the Catholic Church, but some of them kind of are starting, start their own church and pretend that they're doing something on their own. But really, if you don't have a bishop, you don't have a church. If you're not in communion with the bishop, you're not in communion with the Catholic Church. To be in communion with the Catholic Church, somebody needs to be in communion with the bishop who's in communion with the Bishop of Rome. That this is what it means to be Catholic. And for a priest or a deacon to say they're Catholic, they need to have this communion. They need to be working under a bishop. And the bishop is vitally important. The bishop has this role, not as a manager. He's not in a business sense. He's not the manager or the, 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 the area manager of, of the church in a particular county or place. No, he has the mission of making the church fully present in the place that he is in. The bishop has a universal mission, was saying, but to make the church fully present. Okay, he's only responsible for a very small part of the Catholic Church, but he has the mission to make the church fully present there, especially when he presides the Eucharist. This is what the bishop is doing. And since in every uh, Eucharist that's celebrated in the diocese, we've mentioned the name of the bishop and the name of the pope, because without this communion, we can't say we are Catholic. If we're not in communion, we lose this Catholicity. Then the priests are there to be co-workers with the bishop. The bishop, again, is the important one. The priest is to help him. That, uh, I suppose, in the early centuries, we could have gone a different way. We could have gone and had decided to have many, many bishops and tiny dioceses and not really have any priests. What the church thought was better to have a bigger diocese with priests working under the bishop. In a sense, making the bishop present, being the, the bishop's man in a particular place, and uh, then presiding over the different sacraments. And um, But it's this, uh, again, it's 1567. Priests can only exercise their ministry in dependence on the bishop and in communion with him. The priest cannot be a free agent. That he has to obey. To obey. This, this mark of obedience is very important in the Catholic Church. That Christ was obedient to his Father and every Christian is called to obedience. And the priest in a particular way is called to obedience to a bishop. That when a man is ordained as a priest he has to place his hands into the hands of the bishop who is ordaining him and swear obedience and respect to the bishop and his successors. And this is something very serious. To obey and respect the bishop. And then the deacons, it finishes up speaking about deacons, who have a, a different type of ministry. And it's a ministry of service, making present Christ's service. Not so much the, the not so much the ministerial, not so much sorry, not so much the sacramental. That the deacon, yes, can be involved in different sacraments, yes, can be involved in different liturgies especially involved in the liturgy, helping the bishop, especially the bishop. He's linked with the bishop, helping the bishop or perhaps helping the priest, but in particular working in the um, charitable work of the church, working in the service of the church. This is what the deacon is called to. Uh, we're 
I suppose we're a few years away from Vatican II or more or less just after the 50-year mark. And it was, uh, unfortunately, for many years, there were no deacons in the Catholic Church. Every priest was ordained a deacon the week before he was ordained a priest, but uh, there was no real deacons. I mean, uh, St. Francis, I suppose, would be one of the very few deacons that were in the church in the Middle Ages, that the Catholic Church in the West lost the diaconate. That, uh, you know, that we kind of kept every priest, yes, had been ordained a deacon, before he became a priest, but we didn't have uh, permanent deacons. And so at Vatican II, we reinstituted the permanent diaconate, and it's a fantastic ministry. But uh, again, with everything, it takes a while for it to find its way again in the church. And so we're at 50 years from when it was reintroduced. But really, it was uh, in the first number, a good number of years, the permanent diaconate only existed really in the United States and in Germany. And in many other countries, it's only really starting now. But it's a beautiful ministry that the church rediscovers. So very well. So tomorrow we'll continue. And tomorrow we'll have a shorter section. 1572 through 1574. God bless.